Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for joining us here on Nerds from the Crypt. Today we have a great supersized episode. But before we go and head into the Upside Down, I want to introduce my co-host for today. Joining me is uh, Greg Smith. How are you doing today, Greg? I'm doing well. Doing well. As well, joining me today is uh, Scott. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. Well, my pleasure. And we have uh, Red. Red, how are you doing today? I am fantastic. And Abe, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks. All right. Like I said, we have a, a special uh, extra supersized episode for you today because we, I, at least I feel that Stranger Things deserves a supersized episode. So I'm glad to have it, all of you here. So originally this was going to be two separate episodes, one being season one and another one being season two. We're just going to go ahead and, and just um, talk about season one really quick at the beginning. And then we'll go ahead and jump into season two, which just was just released a couple of weeks ago. So now Stranger Things was created by the Duffer Brothers, who incidentally had wanted to direct this year's horror remake of It. They were told they did not have enough experience, and they later on went to develop Stranger Things. It premiered in, on July 15, 2016 in the USA through Netflix, and I think we can say that everyone was pretty much blown away, at least for the most part. Everything about Stranger Things is great, not to say it's perfect, but the actors and, and the writing were on point, and the fact that it takes place in the 80s just made it that much better. It was not only that it took place in the 80s that made it gave us that nostalgia trip, but the fact that it felt so real and genuine. So I'm going to go ahead and get to you guys. I want to know your thoughts on season one. And I'll ask uh, Greg first. Um, uh, man, so like season one uh, in my in my circle of uh friends and stuff like that because you know obviously the nostalgic feel but also just writing kids stuff uh um it's it's definitely like one of those things where you see something that is a a kid-based show uh where kids are the uh the um, protagonist and you've got a uh you've you've got a show that definitely is a a must watch for me and it's like okay it's all things basically that i love because i i I grew up watching the goonies and monster squad those are things that i love um being in the 80s and stuff like that so it's definitely my bubble but you throw in winona and you know (laughs) (laughs) and uh definitely i'm there so uh how about you scott well I am in that generation that's both millennial and Gen X. So being an 80s child, along with my sister, finding, you know, finding Stranger Things really brings back, really brought back all those nostalgic feelings. Like it was mentioned, the Goonies, Monster Squad, you know, all those 80s tropes and devices and the use of former 80s stars in an adult capacity now and the fact that it's science fiction and it borrows so much from other shows, movies, and books while at the same time standing on its own as something completely different. And Rhett, what are your thoughts on season one? Um, You know, I think I'll kind of just... uh echo what everybody else said i think the the biggest thing for me was that i i'm kind of a 
when it comes to like 80s stuff, I really like details. And I think that that was the thing that they captured the best in season one. Um, you have all these little elements from all the 80s like movie genres. You have the horror. You have like the John, the John Hughes uh, coming of age, teenage angst type stuff. You have the uh, science fiction. You have the, the D&D. And, of course, using the, the characters and stuff from the 80s, uh, actors from the 80s that were really famous. It just – the details there were for me and were there for me. And I think that – um, it really nailed it in the first season um, with combining those elements to uh, sort of create something that's a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit uh, a little bit comfortable, but also uncomfortable, a little bit something that's uh, that we know, but also something a little bit unknown. And I think they did a good job of kind of finding that balance in all of those genres or making those together. And uh, let's say I'm going to ask uh, Abe, what did you think of season one? Yeah, I'll pretty much build on everyone else said too. Like, um, I think I did a really good job at recreating shows and and things from the '80s. It's funny though because <clears throat> going into it, I didn't really know what to expect, but um, my girlfriend really, really wanted me to watch it, and it started out, and I didn't have many expectations going into it, and now it's turned out to be one of my favorite shows. So <laughs> it's interesting. But <clears throat> as a '90s kid, I, you know. I didn't really get it at first, but now I, it's I think it's done a really good job at recreating shows from its time. Same thing with me here. I, I didn't really know what to expect. I hadn't really heard about it. I actually listened to another podcast uh, called Mr. Sunday Movies, and they actually got paid to to um, <clears throat> talk about it and really just review the first couple of episodes. That's only that's the only reason I know about it. I didn't know what to expect. My wife is not really someone who likes horror or, or really sci-fi really that much. And I know that's a big tragedy because I love it. <laughs> but um, I remember I told her, Look, I'm going to start a new show. I'm going to put it on. And uh, you know what? And uh, she's like, you know what? Just go ahead and put it on. I'll be doing stuff around the house. I uh, put it on. And but before even half point of, of the first episode, she was already there standing uh, right next to me and and watching it. And then she just sat down. She's like, put the next one on. And uh, we, we, we loved it. I, I know uh, we're all in each one of us have talked about this nostalgia factor. Now, in my it review, we talked about how nostalgia can also be a bad thing because um, Pennywise and the, 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 the way Pennywise was received was really hindered by the nostalgia factor of Tim Curry. It can be a good thing. It can be a bad thing. And, but I, I think the nostalgia factor here is more is just more that it helps. I think it makes us feel good rather than it's going to hinder us completely to just liking it just because we, we like the nostalgia factor it's given us. Um, so season one is certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, 96% from the critics, 95 from the audience. And uh, like I said, for me, the, the only time I heard people that say they couldn't get into it was from the younger crowd. One, people who didn't really grow up in the 80s, not really in the 90s, um, but for the majority, I think I heard nothing but praise for, for Stranger Things. Um, anything you guys want to add on season one before we just go ahead and jump into season two? I was going to I was gonna say, uh, like, as a writer, you know, uh, I had a lot of theories about stuff um, that I wanted to see come to life in season, uh, at, at the end of season one, but or, or come through uh, season one as it was building. And, you know, a lot of those things didn't, but uh, as, you know, story-wise, it was crafted and executed super nicely. And I was so, I was so satisfied with the journey of the characters and all. Um, I I don't know if uh, if it was just me, but, like, casting Matthew Modine as uh, as the doctor in the first season, 
I thought was interesting because this whole entire thing with Eleven was that she was uh, going to the Upside Down and seeing, uh, seeing, seeing stuff. And one of his notable films in the 80s was Vision Quest. <laughs> not that, not, I mean, it was, you know, the idea of a Vision Quest, but, you know. Um, and he was wrestling, and she was wrestling with the Demogorgon. Um. <laughs> well, since you brought up, like, expectations for season two and all, trying to keep out season two, what we know yeah. season two, did you have any theories or specific, um, like you said, um, beliefs or, or what you wanted to see come up in season two that didn't happen? Well, um, at, the, at, the end of, at the end of season one, um, the whole thing with uh, Will looking in the mirror and then all of a sudden being... Uh, sort of launched in back into the upside down into that world. Um, I thought that there was going to be a lot more time spent there, um, and, and there was going to be more of like a, almost like a hunt kind of thing going on in the upside down, and there was going to be a lot more stuff answered about why it's there and what's going on. And um, I, I was really hoping that there was going to be almost like this, like uh, like this group of of people, this team of people that that's what they do is go in and and really like. They're trying to figure out what's happening and what's going on. Maybe, maybe headed by Hopper, um, and I, I kind of wanted to see that and see more of that world, uh, and was hoping that we would get to see more of that world. Well, if I may interject for a second, I saw season one as essentially establishing the foundation for something much bigger, like almost, almost, almost like an opera. You start out. With the you know the introductions, you give the characters some minor danger, but you don't put them in too much danger because that's got to come later on. You know the fact that it gave us a little taste only made everybody just want more. So all those ideas, I think, are absolutely possible for future seasons. Uh, Greg. Um, one of the things that I thought that uh, that may may be um, may be there, but definitely wasn't, um, was that like in the Upside Down, uh, everything had a mirror image uh, in the Upside Down. So the Demogorgon was actually Eleven's mirror image, and everybody in the town of Hawkins would have a mirror image of themselves in the Upside Down, thus being like another Demogorgon that would come through the portal mm-hmm. at some point. Um, and I was, I don't know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say sad that that didn't happen, but you know, I mean, maybe that, maybe that is, maybe it's not, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything, um, any thoughts, Abe, on that? Yeah, I'll just say too, I thought they would spend a lot more time in the Upside Down this season, um, but I think they had a good idea, like, around it, but I thought, coming off of the finale of season one, that we would see a lot more of the Upside Down. So let's go ahead and get into season two, all right? And this is, uh, from this point on, we're going to be talking about season two. If you have not seen season two, I don't know what you've been doing. This is your spoiler warning. Uh, Don't come at us if you get spoiled. (laughs) Uh, So season two was announced on August 31st, 2016, 60 days after the release of season one. And um, it was actually... Uh, released on October 27, 2017. So we actually had to wait over a year for it to come out. And I think for the dismay of everyone, it was like, why do we have to wait so long? When it was, I think it was announced during the Super Bowl that it was going to be in, on Halloween. Um, now, season two has been certified fresh, um, 94% on Rotten Tomatoes, 92 from the from the audience, um, and well, 94 is from the critics. 
See, now, season two takes place in the fall of 1984, right before Halloween night. We do get a recap of what happened to Eleven after her sacrifice in season one, and we get the fallout of what happens to the in Hawkins to the, our main characters. We've kind of already started talking about some of the characters, not too much, but let's go ahead and just get into what we thought of, of Stranger Things characters, okay? And I'm going to ask you to talk about, like, the, in order, the, the kids um, with the addition of Max. Um, what do you guys think of their relationships with each other? And, uh, you know, if they have any relationships with, with anybody else, um, go ahead and, and let us know what you thought. Yeah, I uh, coming from the first season, um, I, and I, it may have been just because of the inexperience of the actors. I thought that I, th- I thought that they did really well in the first season, and then moving into the second season, I don't know if it was writing or if it was the actors themselves being more experienced or whatever, or some the fame that they. I mean, because they've all become super famous now. Um, maybe that going to their head a little bit. I, I don't want to say that because I really <laughs> like them, honestly. But there were a lot of differences in the character traits in this, and it may have just been the, the characters growing up and getting a little bit older, or the experiences that they had uh, from season one. But I didn't. There, there was some stuff about the characters that I didn't really care about. So like Dustin, um, his character traits were way different than he was in the first season. Mike was more, much more of a loner. Um, even though he was all he was all about the group in the first season, and he was much more of a loner in the second season, um, and I didn't really care for that either. And and I can understand the changes, but it was it was a huge jump uh, to me. I felt like it was a little a little jarring with the jump. I also we can we can the other characters were kind of about the same. Uh, Will freaking nailed it uh, with his character and the stuff that happens to him in this in this season. We could talk about that later, but um, and I I don't like Max. And the only reason I don't like I don't like Max adding into this is that she didn't really have a payoff to her character. She didn't really serve a purpose. Uh, she was just kind of there. And the only thing she really did was tear apart Lucas and Dustin. Um, and so, and so I didn't really understand that. And also Billy, um, and we can talk about him too. But their characters, I didn't really think had the payoff that they either deserved or that they should have had to to justify them being there. And so that was really my issues with with the characters. Um, uh, I love the care. I love the kids in the show, though. Millie Bobby Brown is <laughs> the best actor, the best kid actor in the show. Um, and you know, I I said this about the about the first thing that I ever saw her in, which was Intruders on BBC America. Um, I did not like her in that show, but I love her now. And I and it just shows that her experience and stuff coming up, she's gotten a lot better. And um, I really enjoyed I really enjoyed seeing the character development, except for some of the issues with with the traits and stuff like that. that they, I just don't think that they wrote it well um, for the characters. Uh, Scott? Um, I think all the characters had, well, most of the characters evolved a step since the first season, and I think that's intentional to kind of correlate with character progression in Dungeons & Dragons. Yes, I went there. Uh, they all change in a significant but subtle way. Like you said, oh my god, I lost my train of thought. It's derailed. Uh, Mike has, uh, you know, become you know, this loner. You know, Lucas is uh, girl, cra- the girl. <laughs> girl crazy. Uh, Dustin, though. I think Dustin has evolved more than more than any of the four boys this season. Yeah, I think that has to do also. I think the fans really liked Dustin in season one, 
And I think they gave him more to do in season two because because of that. I, I heard a lot of, of fans saying they love Dustin. I know he did change a lot, but I think that has to do tie back to the fans. Yeah. I just wanted to just say one more thing uh, about Sean Astin and the fact that yeah, now Sean Astin, another 80s child star now being the adult uh, and how they gave him, you know, couple of lines that you know poke directly at the goonies i will say this though i'm not happy with the way he went out <laughs> we'll get to him because yeah. i think I, I heard a lot about that on on social media yeah. um abe you want to uh, talk about the kids yeah i think too there was obviously lots of progression in them as characters which i expected like i didn't expect them to be the same so it wasn't very much of a surprise um but I'll say the same thing about Max and Billy. I thought when they were introduced, at least one of them would play a bigger part in the story. And I was kind of disappointed that they didn't. Like like everyone was saying, that there was really no payoff for them. And it kind of just, if you look back on it, pretty much just took up screen time, I guess. So Greg, to say about oh, them. Yeah, sorry. Greg? <clears throat> so, uh, so with the, uh, the child characters, um, this is actually interesting. I get my, uh, I have an intern this, uh, this year, uh, for writing and I, uh, the amazing, uh, Davey Dave, Dave Mayer, uh, give him a shout out. Cause he's a really good kid. Uh, he's, uh, he, one of his homework assignments for me was to, to go back and rewatch season one, build character triangles, uh, based off the first season. And then as he's watching the second season, build character triangles and see how everything changes, uh, and plays out with, uh, with the new season and the, and the characters, because all the all the kids, all the child characters um, do different things and work differently with each other, um, kind of as everyone else has talked about. Like there was a divide between uh, Dustin and Lucas, who uh, now have this new this new character Max, who they're who they're vying for their attention, and they they play off of each other differently. Um, we see a lot of uh, Will and Mike where, you know, Will was gone for most of the season in the first season, but now he's back and, and Mike is in his emo stage as they've, they've called it. So he's emo <laughs> Mike, <laughs> he's but he's also, um, he's also trying to help Will who's going through the, uh, the post-traumatic stress stuff of coming back from the upside down. So he's really like digging in and he's trying to fill that, that void of not having 11 around and some other things that he's going through. So they're, they're both kind of going through their own stuff for each other, even though Will's kind of got some other stuff going on <laughs> inside. Um, you know, I, I really like how Is each it technically kid... PTSD if it's actually happening for real. Yeah. Um, let, let me ask you guys this. And then this is up to, for, for, I guess for anyone who wants to answer, did you like the fact that Eleven was kept apart from the kids so long? I didn't really mind. Um, I know a lot of people didn't like that, but I thought the story she had was good enough on her own. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, I think her her yeah. scenes with Hopper were probably one of the better scenes or better yeah, relationships we have in all season two. Um, and I guess that that's why they brought in Max because she's going to fill in the, the female role of the group. But yes, you, you guys are right. Uh, we, we didn't have any payoff of, of her or her brother. I, uh, I do have some in, insight on why they brought in Billy, but we'll talk about that in, in a couple of seconds here. 
but Max stole a car. I mean, that was the payoff. She's a Zoomer, man. She steals a car. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the payoff. Every group needs a Zoomer. Um, <laughs> uh, like our house favorite, Lucas. I mean, he really did grow a lot. You, you see him as like a, I don't want to say background in, in season one, but I mean, he's like the monster hunter. He's kind of the voice of reason in a lot of senses. And in this season, he's really kind of spreading his wings a lot. And he's on <sighs> the forefront a lot. I think um, my favorite favorite part of Lucas is when they're all dressed up as Ghostbusters and he refused to go as Winston. <laughs> like stand his ground. He's not, he's not, he's not going to let them, you know, like he's like, no, this is who I am. And that's how it is. <laughs> yeah. My um, favorite kid character in this season was his sister though. She oh, hell yeah. Awesome. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's great. Yeah, I think I think uh, anyone who has, who has a sister or a little sister <laughs> knows the the how that is how that is. I don't have a kid sister, but I I know I had plenty of friends who had kid sisters that I know. Of. So let's talk about other characters in in the season. Uh, we have older kids, the the uh, ones that are in high school. We have Nancy, Jonathan, Steve, and the introduction of Billy. What did you guys think of their their evolution in in season two? Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Um the way that Nancy went through Steve, like not like I, I think her and Jonathan are a better match, but I like that whole storyline of the three of them. I thought it was really well done and put together. And with Billy, it's kind of the same thing. I don't, I don't like his character, obviously. And I don't know. I see, I like, I know why they did it, but I don't think it was necessary. I think it took away from valuable story time from the screen. So I did say I had something, um, information on Steve, and I, I'm pretty sure some some people already know this. But Steve was originally supposed to be just as bad as Billy is this season. But the actor changed the character so much that Steve actually ended up being a more likable character than than the Duffer Brothers really wanted him to be. So they actually had him redeem himself at the end of, uh, of the second half of, of season one. And they were able to bring him back in and give him more time, uh, although it was mostly with, with Dustin towards the end. But uh, they – they and actually, I think fans actually like him at, once he got redeemed because I didn't like him. I didn't like him at all when he was being a, uh, an a-hole at the beginning of the first, of the first season. But his re- he redeems himself. Greg, do you have anything to add on, on the older kids? You know, like, uh, yeah, obviously there's the the new relationship forming or the the the, the old relationship friendship rekindling again with uh, Nancy and Jonathan, but also you know the the relationship that that forms um, as they as they get together, and it's kind of it's interesting because it makes you wonder like how how close were they before? They don't really talk about it. Like, did they hang out a lot? Were they you know what was their relationship prior to everything? You know, yeah, Steve Steve went from being a big tool in the first half of the first season, and then now he's like this this giant mentor, babysitter, all around <laughs> good dude that you want around, you know. Billy, I have a feeling, like you said, you know, he's probably got something up that they got something up his sleeve for season three. Maybe he's maybe he's maybe maybe he's that uh, that interesting uh, secret weapon that we we don't know anything about. The one thing I'm not fond of is when they take a character we're supposed to hate and give them redeeming qualities to the point where we start to love them and that's the that's the conflict here between steve and jonathan now they're both you know you but you want to root for both of them i think they put steve with dustin to get him 
away from the idea of pursuing Nancy and so that he's got more to do and we see him evolve more as a character while we have already seen that with Jonathan. I will say this about uh, Billy. He, uh, he's the uh, also the Red Power Ranger. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, maybe it's morphin time for Hawkins. <laughs> Rhett? Um, I'm going to actually have to disagree with you guys a little bit um, on the Jonathan and Nancy thing. Um, I, I did not like Jonathan in this season, uh, personally. And I, I understand that, you know, his brother's back and he's dealing with his crazy family and his crazy mother who's dealing with the crazy son. And it's a lot of stuff. But the thing about it is I don't necessarily think that, that Nancy and Jonathan are necessarily a good couple um, or necessarily good for each other. Um, I actually think Steve is actually better for her. Um, and he wasn't necessarily in the first season. He was he was what every guy wanted kind of thing. You know, that was what was on his mind. And I think he redeemed himself in the first season at the end of the season and proved that that's not exactly what he was after. He actually really does love her, um, and it wasn't just about that. But the biggest thing for me is I just didn't like Jonathan in this season, and I think that it, there was – I don't know if it was something about them just not having chemistry together or or what it was, but I just didn't like his character at all. And um, you know that may make me the minority, and that's okay. I'm, most of the time I don't like things anyway, so it's, I'm usually the, the naysayer on stuff. Um, I just didn't think that they were, that they were great together, and I don't – just because you have history with someone doesn't always mean that you're right for each other. And that history, you know, people can tend to go to what's comfortable. And that doesn't always mean it's the right thing. It's the right relationship. And I don't necessarily think that, that he is right for Nancy or that she's right for him as fast as she kind of moves through these relationships. And she's kind of flighty, too. She kind of has a – she's kind of not really – I mean, she's very intelligent. She's very uh, grounded as a character. But she doesn't really know what she wants, and I don't think that that's, that makes for a great relationship anyway, and I don't think Jonathan is, needs to be in that relationship in that position in the first place. But I just didn't think that they were very good together. And now we also brought up Billy, and I don't know if any of you all saw uh, Dacre Montgomery, who's the Red, Red Power Ranger in Billy this season. Um, it, did you all see his audition tape? No. Mm-hmm. no. So well, what he did, he went – he was – pretty crazy there in, in this audition tape but he inserted billy's character into a scene from um stand by me in <laughs> place of Kiefer sutherland's character Wow. and which is funny because um the, the model of billy kind of came from that ace and also not only that but randall flag which is another uh, main stephen king villain from stem uh, from the stand they yeah. kind of gave him that that look um so I think him choosing that that character, especially since Stranger Things, is very much inspired by Stephen King properties. I think that helped him get, get the role. But in the middle of, of these scenes, because he does two scenes, he actually um, does this dance. I, there was this one part in, in the in the series, and I forgot what song it is, and I should have written down what song it was, where he's kind of like dancing. Well, he does that throughout, <laughs> throughout the audition tape. And uh, I wouldn't recommend anybody to watch it. It's, it's actually pretty, pretty, pretty amazing. Um, yeah, I really like him too. I, I thought he did very well in the Power Rangers movie. Um, him and him and uh, uh, what's his dude? R.J. Siler did very well together. Um, but I thought he was a very strong actor in that movie. And that movie was ways way better than it probably should have been. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, even though I'm a huge Power Ranger fan uh, since I was a kid, but I thought that he did a very good job, sort of grounding that group of people, and he has a lot of uh, a lot of weight to him whenever he's in the scene. Um, even though it was not, I didn't think it was a great character, um, or it, whatever my thoughts on Billy are. I thought that he did well in that role, and I think that he does well in any role that he's probably going to be doing anyway. But I just, I you know, I, I still I just didn't like the Billy character. He did a good job at us, I think, hating him. Yeah. <laughs> while he, at the, I guess at the end he was there just to to be an antagonist, and I think that the four brothers said that they wanted a, a human antagonist, and for the kids or for the older kids, and he was that antagonist, and yeah, for the kids too, for the the younger ones too. By um, the way. It was Hungry Like the Wolf and Come on Eileen. The, the, oh, the, the songs that he, he danced to? Yes. Okay, okay, awesome. I, I, I should have written that down. I didn't. Uh, for the record, you said everyone hated him. I did not hate him. I dressed as him at the last con I was at. Oh, that's right. I did see that. I saw, I saw that on Instagram. Um, I had the clone and everything. <laughs> but... Uh, and and from what I was from what I was hearing, if 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 it's true, if if uh, Jonathan and Nancy aren't supposed to be together, am I seeing a Billy and Nancy ship? Is that what we're saying here? Is that what we're saying? <laughs> I, um, I, I think at the end of the se- at the end of this season, we see why he's a little bit more of a bully, more abusive. But uh, you know how that the whole thing is like uh, those who are bullies and abusives normally come from an abusive relationship with their with, with parents or with an adult it doesn't matter necessarily to be the parents so it looks like he came from that and he kind of molded and molded and not that it's right not that it's you know justification but i think that's where they're coming from and maybe we might see something change at the end but we we did kind of see him um coming on to nancy's mom so <laughs> yeah so which <laughs> which kind of gets us not gonna do that right she's pretty hot anyway wait I mean, it's all right yeah, well, it, what's what's more uh, creepy, I think, is that the mom was actually uh, uh, flirting back, especially with the, with the high school kid. And I don't know if she knew it was a high school kid, but she was friends with Nancy, which brings actually to the adults. And I'm not going to talk about Nancy and, and Mike's parents, because I feel like they're probably the worst parents in the, in the, in the yeah. season, even though oh even though oh Joyce uh, um, has these issues with her kid. She's actually there trying to help them out and she knows what they're doing. So let, let's go ahead and jump into the to the adults. Hopper, Joyce, um, um, Bob, and Dr. I think Dr. Owens is his name. Mm-hmm. Um, which, Sean Aston and Paul Reiser coming back. I haven't seen Paul Reiser in a long time. And I was like, hey, is that Paul Reiser? And um, I actually enjoyed him in the, in, the, in the season. What did you guys think? I was pleasantly surprised by Paul Reiser. I thought his character in Stranger Things was going to be a bit more uh, filled with his character from Aliens, going to be this uh, the, you know, the scientist who you know, on the surface has these in- good intentions, but beneath that surface, you know, he has his own personal agenda. Uh, so I was pleasantly, pleasantly surprised, especially near the end of the season. I'm, I won't uh, mention what his character uh, does for Hopper. Yeah, I think uh, I agree. I think uh, Paul Reiser and Sean Astin were fantastic uh, additions to the cast because they have a presence in 80s films. They're just both pretty good uh, actors. Um, Paul Reiser's gotten old, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. That, well, that's why when when he first came out, I was like, is that Paul Reiser? And yeah. my wife's like, yeah, that is. I'm like, man, I haven't seen him in a long time. He looks old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I watched this season in a weird way. I watched Hopper from the lens of him being Hellboy, um, <laughs> and 
it was weird to see that like 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 almost like judging whether or not he's going to be a good hellboy which i think he's going to but uh, i thought he did fantastic I, I him and him and billy uh millie bobby brown together were just it was like fire on the screen every time they were on the screen together mm-hmm. and it was perfect and you feel you feel what he feels in those moments that every dad kind of feels when they can't make it to their kids to you know that they've promised to do something with their kids and uh you know and you feel every moment of the fact that he lost his daughter and and he's trying to re- not replace but to be a, a be better to do better and and to keep her safe and you know all this stuff and you know i think he really redeemed himself uh from he was kind of a scumbag in the first season uh in the beginning he was sort of a um, he was good. He was a really good character, but he was just – he was not completely likable from the beginning. He was real aloof or just like whatever. Yeah, he was just kind of like, and eh, whatever, I'm I'm going to drink beer before I go to work as the sheriff of the police department and – or the, the whatever, the, the sheriff of the deputies or whatever. And, I you know, I really think that he kind of nailed this season. Um, Winona Ryder is pretty much just an institution uh, <laughs> at this point. She's, she's really kind of solidified herself as an adult actor in this specifically. I think she did way better than Jennifer Jason Lee did in uh, a uh, atypical as a, as the mom in that character being you know an 80s an 80s character brought up into the adult uh, realm. But uh, yeah, I, she's she's perfect I think for that role. Um, she's just a little bit nutty and just a little bit. She's like that Midwestern mom. She has that kind of nailed. Um, yeah, I, I thought they did very well. Um, I thought I actually think believe it or not I actually think that the adults did better than some than most of the kids in this season um and i know that's a bold a bold statement to make i think it's because the i think it's because the kids were so apart this season yeah. that um, they were never really together other than the beginning um let's see so is, it, it's cool if we drop a spoiler to you here <laughs> yeah, yeah go ahead go ahead right. well i mean like first off i gotta just say hopper is like uh, like harbor is channeling his uh um I want to say his Harrison Ford right there because he's got that that Indiana Jones meets Han Solo down pat for like a lot of a lot of the stuff that he's doing. I mean he's like he's got his adventure on. He's got his like all right we're we're doing this and then he's got that soft side right you know so he's 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 hitting all those like um, those beats and like it was said man those those scenes with Billy like they were they were just so good like um, you can't. You can't tell me that 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 didn't bring some emotion to some people and make some tears happen. I know that I I was I was feeling it, so it was it was it was really good. Um, that is just redonk their their whole their whole stuff that's going on. It's just super <laughs> cute. Um, Bob's a lucky guy to have found love and then to die the way he lived. You know, puzzle puzzling me because where the where that demo dog come from, people? It puzzled me. John Ashton went out like a champ. He got coughed up by Will in the last the last season. Uh, <laughs> if I may uh, interject to build on what you're saying about Hopper, there's a subtle Easter egg throughout this season with Hopper. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm referring to the blue bracelet. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Now, you go back to season one, you see that his daughter is wearing it in her hair, and then you see that he's wearing it around his wrist, and then at the dance, spoiler alert, you see Eleven wearing it. Yeah, and, and I think that's why we like, we, I, well, 
I, that's the reason I like Hopper uh, in this season way more than I did in part part. Uh, in, well, I say keep saying part one, but season one um, is because we didn't like Red said he grew from from this guy who just didn't really care about his the job. He was just kind of like annoyed by kind of the things that happened in Hawkins, and then he kind of just grew as as he realized that this is an actual threat. And Hawk going on in Hawkins, he kind of grew to to be more heroic or more I don't know what I don't know the word to say, but then in, here with with um, with Eleven, you can just see how his um his uh, paternal instincts just kick in. He wants to protect her. He doesn't want her to get hurt, and he he's doing all that because he doesn't he wants to keep her safe. So I have something to say about I guess each of the adult characters. So like everyone was saying, Hopper his character progression was. I thought really well done and he's now one of the most likable characters in the series um dr owens i thought initially would be a villain or an antagonist type but i guess he turns out to be pretty good uh bob i love <clears throat> i mean i think he's everyone's favorite character this season and um sean Aston did a really good job playing him and it sucks that he had to go out the way that he did but that's okay and joyce um <clears throat> when a writer does a great job and I think Joyce has to be mom of the year. <laughs> the whole scene with Bob, I was watching it, and I'm not one that gets like uh, anxious on, on on scenes and all that. But when he was running, I was, I was just screaming at the TV, "Run, run, you idiot! Don't stop!" <laughs> and then when he stopped, I like he was and, yelling the same thing at their screens at the same time. Yeah, and I was like, he goes, "Oh my god, this show is so good." <laughs> and you keep thinking that it's going to be over for him and then he gets out and then at the least possible chance for him to die, he dies. <laughs> uh, well, he was like right there. Where did it come from? I mean, yeah, she yeah. was right there. <laughs> like jump out of a wall. Well, well it's cause it was following him. Right. And then he, as soon as he, he closes the door, he stops. Yeah. He's Joyce. And like, no, keep running. Why are you stopping? And then of course it goes right through the door. Because the doors there at these uh, commercial doors are not are not worth crap anything. Which well, I mean, to to me, if if um, I get that the the dogs are, are are pretty strong, but I would think they would be a little bit more reinforced. But like I guess that just goes to show how um, strong these demo dogs are. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, go ahead. I was gonna say I have one more thing about Dr. Owens. Um, you know, everybody makes this like compare like the, they're like, oh, and aliens and aliens yeah. are like, you know, my wife was like, oh, oh, for mad about you. And I was like, you know, if it's everybody's connection. But, you know, for me, Paul Reiser was best for this role. My two dads, y'all, because of course, <laughs> my of course. He was. Yeah. Oh, you know what I was going to say? Uh, one of my friends shared on Facebook saying that there might be a Lord of the Rings TV show coming on. Um, <laughs> And he he was like, dude, can you imagine if, if um, Sean Astin came out back for that? And I was like, you know what? I would actually rather have a, a superhero Bob uh, Netflix series rather because <laughs> I really enjoyed that 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 um, character. And yes, he was a little like oblivious at the, at the beginning. He he's the one that gave Will that that um, to just stand up, you know, the the guts to stand up to the monster. And it was the worst thing he could have done. But <laughs> Uh, to add to that, that was originally the moment when Bob was supposed to die. The idea was that Will's, the thing inside Will, would kill Bob at that moment. Uh, kind of like, uh, what's his name? Um, in Lost? He was I was supposed thinking, to, I was thinking of like an Uncle Ben Spider-Man moment where he gives oh. him advice and Will leaves and then they find out that Bob died like that same day and it was like a, Will's going to go on and, and become a 
you know, a hero or something? <laughs> well, I, I was thinking of um, what's his name already uh, from from Lost. He was supposed to die in the the Doctor. He was supposed to die in Episode One, and instead he became like the series hero all the way through throughout the series. Spoilers. <laughs> well, I mean, if you haven't seen Lost, it's been a couple of years since it finished. <laughs> if I haven't seen it by now, I'm not watching it. <laughs> so we did talk about Bob going out to a demo dog. So, and, and with that, let's let's talk about the creatures this this season. Last season, we had one single creature, um, very much like in Aliens. We had the, the one creature. This time, we have a whole lot of creatures. But did you guys like the? I don't know if it's an evolution or devolution or or I guess it's like a baby Demogorgon. What did you guys think of the Demodogs? I, I, I'm conflicted because you're right. It's it's kind of cool. You see how they grow. They do this thing where they're they start out like a probably like a little slug type thing, and they continue to grow and feed off everything around them and and, and get bigger and and, and evolve. But uh, as as we saw in the in the first season, this demog the Demogorgon's like a beast. It's bulletproof. It destroys everything in its path. It's running through walls and like you know just like people are shooting at it with like you know all sorts of any kind of like machine gun possible and it's unstoppable right and you just can't destroy it until like 11 takes it out and then these do- demo dogs are like super wimpy you know <laughs> <laughs> they're just like hoppers like blasting with a shotgun you know they're getting shot they're just like dropping and it's like okay well maybe it's maybe it's because they're babies right i don't know yeah i thought it was i thought it was a lot different in the respective creatures this time and I thought they needed to do it in order to progress the series, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was, I guess, a good progression to when, like you guys were saying in the first season, there was one, and this time we have a bunch of them. And yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was good. I thought it really helped the series itself progress as well, having multiple creatures in this season. Yeah, I I, I kind of echo everything else you guys said. You know, it's it's interesting because the Demogorgon and the Demogorgon I can say that word um, in the first first season was like a humanoid sort of uh, character. He was it was like a man in a suit, you know. Um, and this time it was more well, loosely speaking, it was a man in a suit. Um, it was it was ma- you know human shaped for the most part. Um, and this I, I kind of got the feeling that it was like a Sort of like the Demogorgon was the brain, and these are like the white the white blood cells that go out and attack stuff. It was kind of like how they how it spreads the quote unquote disease, or or even like a parasite or something that has like you know whatever has like little mini parasites that come off of it, and that was sort of how it was. So that's how it how it infests is by like spreading out with with smaller organisms. Um, and there's like this one major organism that does it. Um, I may be getting super nerdy. Um, <laughs> thinking about this way deeper than I probably should have, but well, that's, that's how I—that's how I saw it. Was more like a—you have like a nucleus that was like the shadow monster, um, and like the demo dogs or whatever, uh, were kind of like its its henchmen, its its uh, parasite that goes out and does its kind of its bidding, and that's the way I saw it. The demogorgon, I think, was kind of a one-off or maybe like a manifestation of something from the from the upside down that was a little bit different or something that was created in the lab or, or came through um as like a i don't know it was like a one-off thing um and they just didn't know where to go with it in season two and it was kind of what they came up with was the demo dogs so that they could show progression because um i don't think that the humanoid shaped thing would probably grow that way the way that the demo dog did 
and so that's that was that was the curious thing. I, I think that's that's my take on it. It was just kind of a, a way to show a progression to, to to give Dustin something to do. Honestly. Um, well, believe it or not, there is a state uh, stages of evolution to the Demogorgon. There are six stages. <laughs> oh my gosh! But this is the Dungeons yep. and Dragons, though, right? We're we're being making. We have to clarify. Stage one is Larval. Larval is the one that came out of Will. Stage uh, two to five is basically what we saw with Dart, and the you know the upright walking humanoid thing is the final stage. So the, the, the big thing looming over the Upside Down is something much more catastrophic than a Demogorgon. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and we, we, they, the kids end up uh, calling them the, the, the Mind Flayer. Mind Flayer. Um, yeah, so um, which is what this, this, big, this big other dimensional kind of um, Love, Lovecraftian kind of being that wants to – what they say is they it, it pretty much wants to enslave other other races because they're they're um they're inferior to it. Um, I, and I guess we kind of see that with Will. I don't know if if that's what that's all it wants to do because they don't really know. They're just kind of basing it off of what they know off of of D and D. So we'll we'll see. I think we're gonna see a lot more. And the one thing we didn't didn't get to see of in season one when we first the Demogorgon, he's eating an egg. And then later on, when Joyce and and Hopper are in the upside down, there's an egg there. But we already know that the Demogorgon does not, you know, reproduce or or replicate from an egg. They they kind of um, do the alien thing where they put this tentacle thing through your mouth and it kind of puts the slug in your in you and then it comes out kind of like kind of like aliens, kind of like in and Dreamcatcher, and it comes out and it becomes a Demogorgon. So who, what, what was in those eggs? What was the Demogorgon eating? And um, I wonder we'll, if we'll actually get some answers on that for next season. All right, guys. So let's talk about the tone of the show. And obviously, we know that um, it's very much 80s, very much sci-fi, kind of horror. So, but what, what did you guys think of overall tone for season two? Did it keep the same momentum? Did it change a little bit for you? Um, did you like it? Did you like season one better? Yeah, I've seen a lot of people on social media and such call the tone of the season a lot darker, which I do agree with to some extent. Um, just because I think now we know a lot more about each character that it wasn't this happy-go-lucky group of kids that they, their friend got taken, right? Like, we know a lot more about them, and there is more deaths and there is more gore and stuff in this this season. So I felt the overall mood and tone and all that was just a lot darker this season. Oh uh, yeah, I agree. Um, I look at it from like a detailed um, a detailed thing. From I was an, I'm a '90s kid, so I didn't grow up in the '80s, so I didn't really have those experiences like they would have. But their their day to day life, like the stuff that we see, felt like my childhood. Like when you're watching it, it looked like when I was a kid riding your bike to school and hanging out with your friends outside or or hanging out in the basement, you know, or talking through walkie talkies like that was what my childhood was. So it felt real to me in the sense that those details, they kind of hit those details and those points like the cars and the 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 clothes and the technology of the time and the music and all that stuff like it, it really kind of nailed those the details and that's what i take from it is 
of course the tone it's always it's gonna it's a dark show but i think they did a did a really good job of contrasting dark and light and having some of those lighthearted moments and then like will freaking out and there being him drawing tentacles everywhere you know that's really dark that's really dark stuff and them and the the visions of seeing the shadow monster like that's really dark stuff but then they counteract it with max getting pulled off of a, of a um off of a skateboard and you know all this other stuff and i felt like they did a really good contrasting the 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 temperature and the colors and all the stuff they did a really good job with it i think this season progressed a lot slower in terms of story pacing uh in order to establish that darker tone and you find that you know it's it's almost i don't even want to put this yeah like a like a Stephen King novel where you you have the main story and then you have almost a preponderance of exposition but that's not a bad thing but i have to say while you know the first season was you know kind of came at your best this one slowed the pace down yeah to tell the story totally agree with that agreed yeah me all right um, so like everybody, I, I agree with everybody. Yeah. Dark. It was, it was dark. It was definitely, uh, a, a, a good change from in the sense of like, you know, if the last season, uh, like Scott was saying was super fast and, and drew you in and made you like want to want to shotgun every season. This one, uh, was, uh, a different, a different feel, very dark, but also made you want to watch everything to find out what's going on. Um, because it was tight, it was tight in like in multiple different ways. Uh, tight in the way that it was it was done. Uh, it was said earlier that they that they nailed uh, the music, the look, the feel, and the vibe of everything, uh, making you feel like you were that you were seeing something uh, that was real and, and to the time. And if you grew up in in in, in the eighties or in the nineties, you could you could definitely identify with those things that the kids were doing. And uh, they 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 hit that, and they were very tight on that. But also at the same time, uh, the tightness and claustrophobicness uh, that the that the way that it, certain certain scenes were shot, uh, and the the way that the uh, delivery of that um, the moment was done uh, could be be felt, and you wanted to either um, watch more to get away from whatever was happening. Uh, that the the kids were going to get out of whatever bad situation or the adults were going to get out of whatever bad situation that was causing that, that, that feeling of tightness and that claustrophobicness. Um, I, I liken this to, um, I, I rate a lot of things to, uh, to the, uh, to the only trilogy that's out there. Um, the star Wars trilogy. And I <laughs> put this, <laughs> I definitely put this in the, uh, empire strikes back, uh, category of, uh, of feels and darkness. And, uh, I think um, you and just, I just like, became best friends, by the way. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it just, it just had that feel that, that the way that it, it told the story just, oh, so good. <laughs> So, yeah, so um, I don't know how much you guys heard of what I said, but uh, I won't repeat it because I'm not sure exactly how much of that recorded. But it, it was pretty much saying about the how accurate they got the feel of the 80s and how real it felt, uh, not just nostalgia is driving our, our like for it. It's because it feels real. OK, guys, before we continue, I did have someone who sent me a message on Facebook when I posted that we'd be talking about Stranger Things. So we had Mandy 
who says, In response to the Stranger Things post, the nostalgia behind the whole series was what drew me in. The music was awesome. The cast could not have been any better. Those kids are some of the best actors. The whole Stand By Me meets It feel was epic. I especially love the second season. I honestly did not think I was going to be better. I honestly did not think I was going to be better than the first. I mean, let's face it, sequels rarely are ever. But the second season of Stranger Things was so unique because each of every single episode kept building and building and building. I think personally, my favorite scene was a snowball, especially at the end during the police song, Every Breath You Take, and then boom, you see the shadow monster hovering over the school as if it were truly saying, Every Breath You'll Take, I'll Be Watching You. So cool. Thank you very much, Mandy, for your message. We actually had Jason reply to the post. You might remember him from our comic book reviews, and he he said before that he's not the biggest Stranger fan, Stranger Things fan, but he also but he still watched it and he had some questions. Uh, do you think the episode where Eleven meets her sister is set up for a future season where the siblings get together and form an X Men type team to fight the Upside Down? Um, and I want to acknowledge, Jason, that we are going to be talking about that. We're not going to, I'm not going to answer that right now, but we are going to be talking about that in a little bit. So stay tuned. Mm-hmm. The last thing I wanted to go over. So um, we've talked about the tone. We talked about the characters. So I will say, I'm going to say let's just jump into full out spoiler territory um, and talk about our, our, um, our favorite moments. Um, what, what character or what um, – a specific moment in season two was your favorite or what um, part in season two was your favorite? Well, I had favorite moments from pretty much every episode. I mean, almost every scene has something about it that you just go like, wow about. So I'll narrow it down to the finale. Um, all. Um, and it's just kind of funny for Dustin because he keeps getting turned down by, everyone and then of all people nancy comes and dances with him and i just thought that was a really really cool scene um and then right after that you see that the upside down is still lurking mm-hmm. and i think it just set up a really good like i thought i thought it set up really nicely for a third season and i just i love the way the season ended so i know that i i guess uh my favorite one of my the, it's so tough. It's tough to nail down stuff. But like, uh, um, my one of my favorite parts. I I don't know. Is it is it safe to say the the backdoor pilot possibly? Um, favorite, favorite part of the. <laughs> uh, it was. I mean, it starts out like that, and and mm-hmm. and definitely carries through. So I don't know. Um, it definitely felt like there was there there, there could be, maybe that's part of what's gonna happen. In, in season three or maybe that could be something that's going to be part of another another thing but um i definitely am i definitely like that idea so i do know what i, th- I think i know what you're talking about. i'm pretty sure i know what you're talking about um i wanted to say that for one one more thing because there i've heard a lot about that particular episode or uh, you know so let, let let's get wait on that a little bit sorry, um sorry. <laughs> so um my favorite part I know, the hair the hair the hair tips that's my favorite part <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah um, so yeah i think dustin for me at the end very uh, at the very at the end was <laughs> was pretty cool he uh went from his we, we saw him in, in in season one um being a little a little bit goofier um being picked on to being so much more confident. I and mean, I don't know that's how much that has to do with him hanging out with Steve because they kind of did kind of a, like a bromance. 
kind of thing or, or mentor kind of thing, you know, and um, he taught him how to do his hair. He taught him how to dress. Uh, unfortunately for Dustin, I feel bad for the guy. I, I feel you, Dustin. I know how it is. Um, so seeing Nancy come up to him and actually dance with him, I think helped him a lot and helped him um, with uh, his credit, his school credit next, uh, or street credit next, uh, next season. In peak moment. <laughs> <laughs> Rhett? One thing I missed from talking about the tone really quick, um, and this kind of goes into one of my favorite uh, set of scenes, was the time that they spent like in the tunnels. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was really cool, uh, the stuff that happened to Hopper down there, and then the kids kind of, you know, assembling the group and going in and, and finding Hopper and, you know, doing all that stuff. Um, but that th- tied back to the tone, um, and somebody said something about aliens earlier. That's, that sequence felt so much like Ridley Scott uh to me uh with the way that it was really claustrophobic going through the tunnels like in aliens when they're going through the ship and they're really tight uh the really tight hallways and stuff of the, mm-hmm. t- of the ship um and uh yeah i i really enjoyed uh hopper in that in those scenes because he was um uh he he was not the strongest in those scenes as far as like uh he he kind of showed his uh his human side a little bit more and um he he wasn't like so much of a tough badass he actually kind of got his ass handed to him a little bit you know and uh it was very interesting to see the kids come in and rescue him it was really interesting and uh yeah I, I really enjoyed that whole like going through the the pumpkin patch and and digging down and getting into the tunnels and stuff it was kind of gross and kind of really cool to see that part of that of that world and those arm those tentacles stretched out you know through the whole side of hawkins and and under the pumpkin patch and stuff. That was kind of cool. Uh, my favorite moments, uh, definitely seeing uh, Steve become that big brother figure to uh, to Dustin. Uh, I love those moments when, you know, characters who almost ha- have nothing come together to rely on each other. So I, I really, you know, enjoyed that. Uh, my favorite line is with Sean Astin. Bob saying, what are you looking for, pirate treasure? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not only that, he, he kind of smirks and looks, and it, it's not a look at the camera, but, you know, it's it, if it was the office, he would have looked at the camera and, and smiled. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that happen in, in um, season two that I can say, not necessarily my favorite part, because I have a friend who, when he likes something, he's like, oh, this is my favorite part, and then something happens, oh, this is my favorite part, and I'm like, this is my favorite part. And like, it's kind of hard to pick, you know, pick your favorite part, but there are things that people didn't like. Right. So mm-hmm. and this is where I wanted to ask you guys, because I heard a lot of people saying episode seven, the lost sister, uh, which I think is what Greg was talking about. Right. Yeah. Th- and that's my favorite part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I heard a lot of people saying that, that it had no business being in, in, in the season because it had nothing to do with the kids and all, but we had, we seen e- 11, apart from the kids for for so long and she's stuck in in the cabin for a couple of episodes so it's great to see her venture out get to meet her mom get to see what happened why all that happened and then to meet someone that went through it the same thing as her i personally like it. i have no problem with it it i feel like it's gonna open up things for season three maybe even spinoffs and um I had no problem with it. I don't know. Uh, so Greg, I, we we heard it. You liked it. We, you loved it. Um, Abe, did you did you um, have any problem with with episode seven? Initially, I found it to be kind of a filler episode, but 
by the end of it, I did appreciate it. And uh, I think it, it fit in nicely. It was a good change of pace because that was where the story was getting very intense. And I appreciated a good change of pace with sort of a whole new group of people for one episode. It was cool. I will agree that it was filler. However, based on the way season two ended, you have to open up new doors after closing windows. Mm-hmm. And to know that Callie is eight and 11, Jane, is there seven, nine, is there 10? Is someone number four? Yeah, I definitely I- think there's going to be one through 11. I, I uh, don't know how many of them may have already died or are still around or how old number one is. We don't know how long they've been doing this in this particular world. So, I, I'm, yeah, what kind of powers? I, I love the fact that the, she had a different power. I love that. Um, I am such the minority in this group. <laughs> I, hated the, I hated this freaking episode. Um, here's, the, here's the thing. Let me preface it with this. I love the Mama episode uh, personally. I thought it was fantastic. I love seeing the backstory. That's kind of my thing. I love finding out where she came from, um, how she got where she got, all of that stuff. Now, now I here's one of the problems that I had. We're not 100% sure how old Callie was when she was taken from where she's from, which she was a – she's an Indian, and she's from London, right? Mm-hmm. Um, her accent possibly should not have been an Indian-English accent. Um and that really bothered me, which it probably shouldn't have, but it did. Um, the other thing, too, is the characters that they had uh, were a little forced. I think so. I think – I know that this episode was important to for El, for Eleven's uh, progression. However, I think they executed it horrendously, personally. Um, I just don't think that it was very well done. And I'm glad that at the end of it she redeems herself and she doesn't uh, go through with the, with the killing and that, you know, like she kind of shows mercy and – um, but it, it's sort of in her character, but at the same time, you know, I just really, I thought it was a turd and a very, very much diamond, uh, it was a very good punch bowl with a big turd in it. That was episode seven. <laughs> so this is, this is why I like episode seven. It's world building, right? So later on, we're, we're I'm, like I said, I'm pretty sure we're going to see these characters later on. So it's better to have something to kind of build on and come from rather than all of a sudden this character is coming out of nowhere. So um, personally, that's the reason why I liked it. I, it wasn't my favorite episode, but I, I don't, I didn't mind it. I, I, I actually liked it. I, I like the idea that everything is sort of centered around Hawkins and that it doesn't really mm-hmm. venture out too much personally. Um, I like the idea that it's some random, you know, kind of sleepy town in, in Indiana that, doesn't really have anything happen to it and then all of a sudden there's this crazy stuff happening to it um it kind of reminds me of um a fringe a little bit it's this sleepy mm. little town and they have all this crazy stuff that happens around it and it doesn't really venture out too much from there it's all kind of centered around that around that town um and that that's just me i don't i, I love world world building i'm a huge star wars fan and they've done that in every movie since the original trilogy is world building and i love it but I just don't think that it was right for that scenario. Like I, I'm all for her having a, a compadre in, in you know, having a sister or whatever, and having somebody who's been through this stuff with her. Um, I just don't think they executed it well. I thought it was a bit forced and a bit like they were trying to force these 
quote unquote cool punk characters on us from the eighties and it's like, oh it's the eighties. They're cool. You have the alley you have the Ali Sheedy character and you have the the you know the punk rocker with the mohawk and the face tattoos and you know you have all these characters and I just don't think that it really I don't know. I just I didn't personally like those characters. The only thing I think um that I would have changed is that eleven goes back to Hawkins and then all of a sudden eight would have show up to help out. Yeah, I, I, that's the, the the only payback uh, payout. Um, what am I trying to say? Payoff. Uh, payoff. There you go. <laughs> payoff that I would have liked to see from that is that that she would actually have followed her and not let her go back by herself because. Um, but I can see why she didn't, and I can see why the writers didn't because they want to keep that for future or the mm-hmm. offs. I don't know, but um. Kind of green, so, don't you think? <laughs> so, uh, Greg. I definitely think, like, you know, that you're right. I mean, they could be saving it for that, that either the future or the spinoffs. I, I really felt like with this episode, you know, with Eleven, she's she's at that age. She's preteen. She's she's going through a lot of changes. She's trying to find herself. She's figuring things out. And she, she can't really do – there's a lot that she can do when she's in the cabin or with, with her friends and stuff um, back in Hawkins. But, uh, you know, finding her mom and then going off with this other group – uh, she's definitely learning a whole new skill set and 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 definitely uh, building um, what she has into something different and and learning what she what she can do and what she doesn't want to do at the same time, right? So, mm-hmm. and then going back and using you know using what she has for what she knows is right versus what she wanted to do, which probably wasn't what she what she felt like she wanted to do, but wasn't wasn't right. Uh, by by often the guy who hurt her mom, but she's you know definitely I think like with finding her sisters, if they do definitely bring in other numbered people, it would be interesting to see their skill sets, their abilities, uh, where they fit into everything, and how they how they help um, the people of Hawkins if they do, or if they if they are doing something else somewhere else, um, like like they're doing right now with their group. I don't know. It's just, it, it just it just seems really interesting, and I'm, I'd be really excited to see where where it could go. Yeah, that's kind of what I yeah, that's what I kind of felt about it too. Like it it could be beneficial spinoff wise. So um, at the end, right, we see Eleven kind of go and close this portal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, did anybody get any Dark Phoenix vibes from her closing the portal? Oh, yeah, I I got I got a completely different vibe, but um, based on what the portal essentially looked like. Oh, <laughs> uh, what was it? Uh, so, <laughs> are you, oh, then I don't know. Or you just. <laughs> Baiting us with, with. I, I mean, I guess it, it, it looked like a vagina. <laughs> it looked Whoa. like a birth, a birth canal. Well, I mean, uh, technically, <laughs> these monsters are coming out of it, so it is it's birthing them into our dimension. Yeah. Um, so, but uh, but I, I think it, it the the I think they did that on purpose because they've been kind of peppering in um, X Men, kind of you know feels since the first mm-hmm. season um i think they, they mentioned that their that their price possession is an expedition i forgot what issue it is um 
And I think it's the one with the Dark Phoenix. So I think they're, they did it intentionally. And of course, now the other sisters, quote unquote, and, and brothers, they can all have different mindsets or, or power sets that can come out and either be good or bad. It has like so, a, like a new mutants feel to it. <laughs> I'm sorry? It has like a new mutants feel to it. Um, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Am I the uh, am I the only one hoping for Mighty Morphin Power Strange? <laughs> Power Strangers? I need to make a Red Ranger with the Demogorgon face opening up, so it's the 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 Red Strangers. Or would <laughs> would uh, Dacker Montgomery's uh, mullet on uh, his Power Ranger suit? There you go. That's Greg. That's your costume for next season. Holy crap! Yeah, I'm gonna go buy <laughs> that <laughs> and then put my my wig on there and my jean jacket and my my tight ass jeans. Not do this. I need pictures first of all. Uh, I will. <laughs> I'll link you to his uh his photo at the last comic or uh, last con that he went to, uh, dressed as Billy. The the worst part was uh, trying to sell books to people. Like kids <laughs> come up and get the book, but the parents look at me and they're like, "Hell no, you like <laughs> I don't want to talk to you." <laughs> Before we go to final thoughts or theories for for um, season three and beyond. Do you guys have anything you guys want to touch on season two that we've missed that we just didn't talk about? Um, I would I would say the uh, the impact Finn Wolfhard will have on upcoming seasons because of his performance in it. I th- I think after seeing what Finn Wolfhard can do, I think Mike is going to change drastically because of it. And the funny thing is that Finn was actually cast in it prior to. Stranger Things, oh, wow. but because Stranger Things, I mean, because of it being delayed, he was allowed to come on to do Stranger Things, and I think based on how it came out and all, we would think the other way around. He did great in as Richie in, in It, and it's such a a difference of characters, and I would like to see, see him more. I know this season he was more lonesome. He was brokenhearted because he hadn't seen, he didn't know what happened to Eleven, um, he was kind of more reserved. Uh, he was actually hanging out more with with Will because he was being that good friend. That that when your friend is is in trouble, you go out and you you help him, right? So he's trying to do that. But because of that, the the kids were like I said before, they were broken up. It was pretty much Dustin and Lucas with Max, and it was Mike and Will. And um, and I, I think I was one of the uh, Stranger Things uh, Beyond Stranger Things. It was it was saying that Mike is so used to being the one that takes care of things, the one that that protects the the group, that when he when Will comes back and Eleven's gone, he kind of sees that Will is kind of broken. So he kind of goes towards him because he's trying to fix Will. He's trying to help Will out, and of course he by doing that he he separates himself from the group. He and he still doesn't want to add anyone to the group for the protection or what what's whatnot. The only thing I would I want to add to that we didn't really talk about was the promotional stuff for this uh, for this season and how fantastic that was with with using thriller and and the visualizations and stuff and and not giving away too much because it was it didn't give didn't give away much um, with how the season was gonna go and um, you know I had a little bit of stuff here but it was it was nice to see um, it was a very well done promotional campaign I think for for this season. 
and um, they did a really good job on that. Yeah, it was it was interesting to see. Like, I mean, like when you when when season one came out, and it was like uh, my wife, she does a uh, graphic designer and she does a uh, Etsy stuff. But she like when season one came out, she's like, "There's nothing out there for people that want things. No merchandise, no products, and stuff like that." So she did, she made button stickers and other things like that. And you can see like slowly things moving out in into the market, like as, as the season two rolled out, because obviously it was more popular um, and, you know, target like exploded. Um, but comic shops getting the ability to like have a stand up, a standee where people could put their faces in and stuff like that was super cool. You could go and get photos and stuff like that. And it just like, that was, that's pretty awesome. Don't forget the game. Heck yeah. Wait, there's a Stranger Things game? Yeah, the app. Oh, okay, okay, the app, yeah, okay. I thought you meant like a, like a Xbox game or something like that. Monopoly, yeah, we got Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it um, Monopoly, <laughs> I went nuts. I went and bought Monopoly. Almost bought the Ouija board. My wife made me put it back because it's like you know, Ouija board. <laughs> so. Well, if you get the Ouija board, we can live stream it on on the Nurse in the Crypt. So. <laughs> <laughs> see what happens. Sneak that one in the house. We did get a. Uh, we got. We scored a. Uh, a really sweet like electronic uh, Dungeons and Dragons, like straight up 80s style electronic Dungeons and Dragons, where you like drop the things down on all the all the places and stuff like that. It was pretty cool. A toy show, but totally not Stranger Things, but Stranger Things at the same time because they play Dungeons and Dragons. I was excited. <laughs> <laughs> I've never played Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, uh, but I, I remember when I was growing up, there was that cartoon that was out. And I remember seeing it, but I don't remember uh, any of the episodes, which I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, I remember it being on. I just don't remember any details about it. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's, it, it was super, super good. Like, I mean, like in the sense of like, like humorous, it was, it was good parts of it. And uh, it was interesting that they would make something like that. Uh, mm-hmm at the time because there was such controversy around around the game as well as uh you know just like a lot of parents were up in arms uh obviously they even made a tom hanks made a movie all about like you know uh beware the sacrilege like that was the main line beware the sacrilege but it was all about um was it mazes of monsters uh title of the movie where they're playing dungeons dragons uh in real life almost at irl and uh he he goes kind of like off the rails and and starts seeing things because he thinks like the the game is real even though you know it's all fantasy based and they're playing in you know whatever so it's interesting but there was it was a whole like don't play Dungeons and Dragons movie. <laughs> Let's go so, ahead and talk about future seasons. We know that that it's um, at least it's been confirmed by the Four Brothers that they at least have enough for two more seasons do you guys have any theories on where it will go what the actually the only theory i really have is um the num number one is that large shadow monster okay like i yeah you know you can, i can see that i don't know if the, i don't yeah. know if they'll want to go that way but i can see that they created something and all of a sudden now um they have to fight it <laughs> and that also being said, I would think maybe this up and next season we're gonna see more themes. I guess, I guess you call it like almost like invasion of the body snatchers. Ooh, you mean like with the with the well, because you you think there's there's gonna be more mind flares? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. More people being taken over by yeah the shadow monster. Flips. 
How about you, Greg? Um, you know, I definitely like. I, I think we called it earlier in the in the episode here. Uh, I think there's going to be a shipping of uh, Nancy and Billy. Nancy's going to get tired of Jonathan. She's already run through Steve. She's going to jump. No, I'm just, uh, <laughs> that would be so interesting, you know, because Billy already said, you know, Nancy's not my type to her mom. So maybe, you know, I don't know. Who knows? Um, maybe I def- she gets a new stepdad or something. <laughs> Whoa, weird. What a oh, man. Um, I definitely, I, I, I would be interested to see, uh, will have some sort of power for real though. Like not a power, but like, you, you know, he's, he's definitely connected to the upside down. So what is his, um, what, what kind of thing does he bring back after now he's been, uh, purged of, of, uh, uh, this dark feeling, this evil feeling that he's had. And then, um, Levin hones her skills and abilities. Uh, what what will that what will that bring? You know, it's interesting to see um, how that all plays out. And you know, definitely, I'd like to see um, more more of our new doctor. Even though they're they're closing up shop, what are they gonna do? That building is huge. They can't just like up and leave. Yeah, and you you know they're that I guess they're shutting it down again. But I mean that happened supposedly in season one and. Yeah, they were still there. I mean, I know that they weren't maybe not being as as evil as they were in season one, but they're still there. Something's happening there. Uh, Rhett? Um, I you know I I, I think we're gonna see Joyce and Hopper together finally. Um, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they hinted at that a lot. Even when she was dating Bob, they hinted at that a lot that they were reminiscing on old times together. Um, I. It's I don't know I. Obviously, we saw the the vision you know at the very end with the over the gymnasium and you see the the monster there. So obviously that's something that's looming, that is gonna be there. Um, but I'm wondering what capacity like how they're going to access it now that the quote unquote portal has been closed, uh, the vagina as it's become. <laughs> um, and so I you know I don't know I I'm I'm interested to see, um how they access the, un- the the upside down now and uh, like how that comes into play or if if he's actually if will actually doesn't have that in him anymore or if he still does and it's just sort of dormant um, if it's actually still there and he's just kind of like it's become sort of sentient to the point that it knows when to sort of play dead and when to to flare up so Ooh. that might be another thing too because um, it was pretty smart it knew when when the host was too hot, when the host was cold. Um, so who knows? I mean, it could be ever-evolving as well. Um, I don't know. I, I, I hope that there's a payoff for Billy and Max um, that's better than what they got in this season because I, I do think that it's a good char- – that they're both good characters. They just weren't utilized the way they should have been, um, that they weren't given the chance to really be a part of, of the group that we've seen and to really kind of come into the fold. They were just sort of – it almost seemed like secondary characters or, or afterthoughts, really. It was like, a, oh, we need something to fill in here. Um, and I hope that we do not get a crappy episode seven in this next season. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, maybe we'll get a spinoff. Um, so <laughs> I said I don't the... have to watch it. If it's a spinoff, I don't have to watch it at all. So that's, so, I, I actually like that idea. So um, what I'm thinking might happen here, I, if, since they've been kind of doing the whole um, alluding to X-Men kind of thing, possibly um, getting 1 through 12 to come back, or 1 through 11 to come back, and fighting a number 12 or number 13 or whatever, kind of like 
Um, they did with Logan, where the ex, you know, Logan had to fight the evil version of himself. Mm. Or if even the, the awful uh, Wolverine movie where Deadpool was that combination of all the, the, the different powers together. Which I really don't want to talk about Deadpool in that nope. movie, but nope. uh, but the, just the concept. Computer. <laughs> Stranger Things too, guys. Um, how many how many up, upside down thumbs or upside down thumb down? I don't know how it, how it would be because you're upside down and thumbs down will be thumbs up, right? Uh, out of what? How how many? Uh, how many you want to give it? Doesn't matter. <laughs> All the thumbs. All the thumbs in the world. I'd give it in. Nine. You know, I, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go straight up ten because I'm watching it again right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an addict. I can't help myself. <laughs> right. Um, I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna give season one the ten out of ten, and I'm gonna give season two like an eight point seven five out of ten. Um, <laughs> I just think there were some things that that missed for me. Um, to really give it a nine or a ten. Um, they kind of held it back from being perfect for me. I, as, as good as season one was, I think it kind of fell flat for me. But again, like I said, I usually am the one who doesn't like things, so take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with, with season one being ten, but ten out of ten. Season two, I would give it nine point five um, in my books. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know if you is there any final words that we want to give for for season two. I cannot wait to see the addition of uh, of Hopper's brother Claude. <laughs> that was so good. So good. <laughs> movie Stranger Things crossover. <laughs> I've been waiting the whole podcast to make that joke. <laughs> uh, Rhett, anything you want to add? Um, I don't know if I can follow that honestly. i wasn't expecting it and it kind of caught me off guard um now i i one thing i'm interested in is seeing um seeing the development of hopper a little bit further um and his relationship and how that's gonna go but the biggest thing is i want them to either use the clash more Mm. or talking heads more in the promotional stuff for the new season that's right. that's really the only thing, honestly. If if they use the clash <laughs> or, or talking heads, I'm like I'm sold on it. And the, the, don't push it back in more than a year again. Let's keep it in October if it's like, it's going to be. Don't put it next time for March or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Greg. Um, yeah, no, I'm with you on that. Like the the release time is is perfectly timed. You know, it's a it's a great time. It hits the holiday season for for Halloween, and uh, it makes for good. Uh, good timing i'd be interested to see like you know as the kids are getting older and stuff like that you know steve's rolling into this this newer this newer uh softer steve uh this this nice guy steve Uh, i want to see him give the kids driving lessons and stuff like that you know uh more hair care tips i'm looking forward to uh um you know just just you know bat care um things like that (laughs) you know (laughs) so uh yeah i don't know what i what i want to say other than i i really enjoyed it it's one of the few things that it's kind of horror sci-fi ish that i can watch with my wife um which she gave me one month she gives me october to show her as many horror movies as we can fit into that month 
<laughs> and then uh, other than that, I have to watch uh, either stuff that we like or she introduces me to uh, chip flicks or something, um, which is a whole other level of horror um, for some of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me start a chip flick podcast. <laughs> the only thing I think I missed uh, from when we were talking earlier, the one thing I, I wanted to say um, and didn't get a chance to, but it was uh, in that last scene we were talking about Dustin and the hair care tips. Did he, did anybody else get like a Adam Sandler uh, wedding singer vibe? Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and then the he's first, he's yeah. using the Fair Faucet uh the yeah. Fair Faucet brand uh, yes. hairspray. That's the first thing that I thought when I saw him was like that is that is Robbie from or was it Robbie, <laughs> was it Robbie Hart that was his name something like that. I forgot his name. Yeah, from Wedding Singer. I was like, that's him. That's exactly what he looks like. So with with that, we'll go ahead and end this episode. But before, let's go. I'm gonna just go say thank you to everybody who was with us. Abe had to jump out um, early here with us, or a drop out early. Uh, so I want to go ahead and, and get with Greg. Where Greg, where can people find you? What are you, what are you up to? Um, what is there anything you want to plug? Um, yeah, sure. I so many things, but first off, Saul, thanks for having me back again. This has been like awesome. Uh, I love talking about Stranger Things. Like my, I, I, <laughs> so just, just being a part of this was fun. Um, let's see. Uh, you can find me uh, social media that amazing twit on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if you want to see me dressed up as Billy or Dustin or uh, or everybody's favorite superhero, Bob Newby. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Also, uh, you can find me at, uh, or, or find my book, uh, Junior Braves of the Apocalypse at juniorbraves.com or juniorbraves65 at Facebook or juniorbraves65 at Twitter as well. But uh, working on uh, Junior Braves of the Apocalypse uh, from Oni Press and um, uh, the monsters and other scary shit uh, from Wannabe Press uh, have that is out now, and we're working on another anthology from them all about Cthulhu. So this uh, this episode here was based on uh, on the big uh, scary monster that we kept seeing in the background, a lot of Cthulhu type things. So I feel like uh, um, that kind of all ties in. Um, that's at WannabePress.com. Also uh, <laughs> the uh, um, <clears throat> We are excited at uh, at the Blood and Gourd uh, uh, family there when uh, all the all the pumpkin pumpkin sides, if you will, <laughs> on Stranger Things were happening because uh, Blood and Gourd it is a pumpkin themed horror comic uh, set in the 80s or not set in the 80s but with a lot of 80s vibes and feels. Um, so uh, we just launched our Kickstarter a couple weeks ago and we fully funded yesterday, so we're super stoked about that. And uh, awesome. Um, you can find us at Blood and Gourd. <laughs> And I saw that stretch goals were announced already. Holy crap. I know. Yeah. It was Jens and I were talking about that yesterday. And uh, did you see the action figure picture? Yes. Yes. I just saw that right now, actually. Sick. So excited. So we got, <laughs> I mean, it all ties in with, uh, um, uh, with designer con. So decons happening this weekend and uh, we had an awesome designer out of LA design us a, uh, an action figure for the comic book. So <laughs> super stoked. <laughs> So yeah, and actually, uh, you can find other episodes here on Nerds in the Crypt where we talk to uh, Russell Russell Nolte, which is the uh, who did the Monsters and Other Scary Shit anthology, which uh, Greg has uh, stories in in there. You have two stories, or yeah, two stories uh, with Misha. And here. yeah, and um, we did also did the Blood and Gourd interview and review with uh, with Jason there on uh, a couple of weeks ago. 
And uh, I think we're going to have Russell back for Cthulhu is Hard to Spell, uh, which is something you you said you're working on as well, right? You said it right now? Yeah. Have I understood you? <laughs> um, so, um, Actually, after I get off of this, I'll have a, a meeting with my artist on that project. Um, and then also another one with Jens as we discuss the, the future of Blood and Gourd because we are super stoked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, like I already said, we'll have you guys on back each time another issue comes out. Okay, so I do want to just jump in really quick. Uh, while Greg was doing his uh, plugs and shout outs, he did forget to do one last thing. So he, so I told him to go ahead and record it and I would go ahead and insert it right now. Greg Smith here. I am shouting out my wife, Ann Smith's Etsy site, Sweet Girl Designs, S-W-E-E-T-G-Y-R-L-D-E-S, IGNS at Etsy.com. Find all your 80s needs and all your Stranger Things things there at Sweet Girl Designs at Etsy.com. Scott, um, what, do you have anything to plug? Do you have anything you want to. Um... As you know, I deal primarily in uh, reality TV and pro wrestling. My podcast is a live alternate commentary podcast called The Remix with Scooter Dust. You can find me Monday nights, Tuesday nights, NXT events, and Sunday night pay-per-views, doing live alternate commentary on uh, – find me at mixler.com backslash ScooterDust8. Uh, tomorrow – I'm sorry, Monday night is going to be our 100th episode of uh, the remix for Monday Night Raw. And this Sunday – I should say next Sunday – it's Survivor Series weekend, huge weekend uh, for us because we had the NXT show on Saturday, then Survivor Series, and this will be the series we've called this year. You can also find us and follow the show on Twitter at ScooterDust, S-C-O-O-T-E-R-D-U-S-T, your friendly and, neighborhood dustbuster. <laughs> and uh, Rhett? Yeah, so I I don't do anything in the uh, the nerd culture uh, realm, but uh, I, I am the founder and kind of the fearless leader of the Brain Trust Brothers Network, which is a uh, podcast hosting uh, platform and community. And I'm also the host of the Brain Trust Brothers podcast, which is an interview show where I uh, I interview somebody every week that I find interesting, and through the conversation I learn about them and kind of understand what motivates them to do what they do in hopes of inspiring uh, new creatives. You can find that on Twitter uh, and Facebook at BT Bros Pod. Uh, you can also find us um, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Brain Trust Bros. Um, Patreon.com forward slash Brain Trust Bros. Help us out. We need some help with uh, with with funds. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it, we're on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher as well. Um, and new episodes every Tuesday. Once again, I'm your host, Perspective. You can actually find me on one reality TV show um, podcast, which is the Spice Shack podcast, where we talk about the latest episode of Survivor. Always, you can find me here at Nerds from the Crypt. We still have a couple of episodes, or I'm sorry, a couple of comic books that the guys from Twilight Hotel um, sent us. So if you're interested in getting a issue of Twilight Hotel sent to you, this is um, before the Kickstarter ends, you can um, just drop us a, a message on Twitter or Facebook, share the episode out to on social media, and we'll get you a, a copy of the of the Twilight Hotel. It's a great, great um, uh, issue, volume one, that they sent me, and it's um, 
we're, we're they're actually trying to get that uh, turned into a film with Christopher Walken being one of the one of the characters. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, so Twilight Hotel. I I want to ask you guys if you uh, like to back things up, um, go ahead and do so. It, it's um it's a really good good uh, series, and we heard the concept already. Like I said, so it, it's they're trying to get it out as a movie as well. Keep here. We are going to be uh, doing a near view later on today, which actually might come out before this episode. Um, but we're going to be um, interviewing Steve Perros, uh, Stephen Perros, who is actually a creator of a um, comic book that's going to be coming out called uh, Stoker and Wells, which is the 20 year old Wells meeting up with a 40 year old Stam- uh, Bram Stoker and going on this kind of um, 48-hour adventure that actually uh, inspired their novels, The Time Machine and Dracula. It looks really cool. Stay tuned. Um, Actually, you might have already heard it before you get to this because that's going to be a lot easier for me to edit than than this uh, almost two-hour episode. (laughs) So so you guys um, stay tuned. You guys share the the episode, share the the, um, like it, and and subscribe if you guys guys want. Um, It's really, really good content that will be coming out in the next couple of weeks. All right, guys, we're going to leave it there. We'll see you guys next time. Um, we don't have any plans for any movies that are coming out yet right now, but we'll, we'll let you guys know as we know what movie you want to review next or what series you want to review next. Thank you guys very, very much, and we'll see you guys next time. Are you a fan of things that go bump in the night? Chills up your spine, paralyzed by fright. Thrilled by horror at the center of a chat. Then welcome to the Nerds from the Crypt podcast.